Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, Saving Grace Church and friends. I'm glad you joined in today. Today we're going to continue our series in... um, The series entitled Finding Peace in Anxious Times, and we're going to be looking at the tail end of the book of Job, chapter 42. So let me pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you that you are good and mighty and powerful. And Lord, as we just walk through these difficult times as as a country, as citizens of the U.S., and as people throughout the world, Lord, we pray that we would have an increased, greater vision of you as a result of today's message. Lord, would you change our view of you? And may we ask mighty things of you. We pray that this um, virus would subside. We pray for mercy. We ask that you would protect all the hospital workers and Um, all the first responders, that you would watch over them and protect them and give them grace and endurance. But Lord, we ask that you would give us a great vision of you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you tuned in last Sunday, I told the story of when I was five years old and I was at the beach at Ocean City, Maryland, Um, with my sister Brandy and myself and my grandparents and I was playing uh, in the water in just uh, maybe a few inches or a few feet of water and just playing in the sand with my sister and then all of a sudden to my surprise a big wave came in and took me out um, into the ocean and I went tumbling all around and I was so disoriented and frightened and afraid and thought There it goes. My five-year-old life was about to be over. What I didn't know, a couple things, is that the water wasn't as deep as I thought it was. But also, I didn't know my grandfather was watching me the whole time. And he got up from his chair and ran into the water and grabbed me and brought me safely to shore. What I didn't tell you last week is from that experience at the age of five to present day, Um, Now at the age of 43, my appreciation, respect, and um, just acknowledgement for how great and powerful the ocean was and is was stamped into my brain that day. I knew from that day, though I might not have known this word at the age of five, that the ocean was exponentially more powerful than me. And from that day on, I had a healthy respect of the ocean. I still love swimming in the ocean. I love catching creatures in the ocean. We, we love snorkeling in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, but I have a real appreciation for the danger and the strength and the power that is there. Well, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because as we get into the book of Job today, we're going to see that Job had, a, in some ways, a similar experience with the living God. Though he knew God, we're going to see 
in a few moments that he had this encounter with the Lord where the Lord pulled back the curtain a little bit more and showed him more of himself. And he had this great vision and increased expanse of who God truly is. And it changed him forever. Now just by way of review, since we're doing an overview of the book of Job, let me just start at the beginning. So we meet Job in the book of Job, chapter 1, and we meet him as a very well-respected, God-fearing, upright man. A man who was known in all the surrounding areas for having a great reputation. He was a wealthy man. He had a large family. He had everything going for him. And then Satan and God have a conversation. They actually have two, and they make an arrangement where Satan is able to inflict Job. And there's two major inflictions that occur. The first is Satan actually destroys, kills Job's ten children and takes his wealth away in the form of livestock. Then the second one is Job is grieving the loss of his children, and then he's inflicted with incredibly painful skin disease that went on for months and months. And so we have these two intense afflictions that Job is going through really at the same time. He's grieving the loss of his family, the loss of his friends, the death of his children, and he's in excruciating pain all at the same time. And then the book of Job continues from really chapters 4 to chapters 37 where three of his well-meaning friends visit him and give him counsel. Unfortunately, the counsel is unhelpful at best and harmful to Job. It's not helping him at all. And so the book unfolds with these three well-intended friends that just were not helping him at all. Then we get to chapter 38, where God begins to speak to Job, and he reveals himself to Job. What is interesting about this revelation is that when God speaks to Job, he never answers the question, why? Why are all these things happening? Because if you're Job, that's a natural question. If you're us, if you're going through any difficult circumstances, or even what's currently happening in our world, why is a normal, natural question. But God knew that Job needed a bigger vision of God. So rather than answering the why question, God shows Job who he truly is in all his power. And so we're not going to go through chapters 38 through 41, but I'm going to hit some high points of it. But I want you sometime this week to take some time and read Job chapter 38 through 41 and pray as you do and ask the Lord to show you how mighty and powerful God truly is. Job 38 starts this way. The Lord answers Job, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said this. This would not have been what Job was expecting. Who is this 
that darkens counsel by words without knowledge. Dress for action like a man, and I will question you. This is God speaking to Job, and you make it known to me. And here's the big overarching question of chapters 38 through 41. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth? So here's what I want you to picture in your mind. Picture a courtroom scene, and Job is called to the stand, and he's being cross-examined by God himself, and God is asking him this big question, where were you when I made everything? Were you there? So if you're in your living room right now, whoever you're with, ask them, were you there? Were you there when God made the heavens and the earth? Were you there? And God continues through these few chapters asking these questions such as, were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Were you there when I started to make everything that has ever been made just by speaking? Now think about it this way. Many of you watching, probably most of us, there's some exceptions, we can't even make a piece of furniture, let alone a house let alone an entire town or city. We're just not skilled in that way. Some of you are, but most of us aren't. None of us can make anything out of nothing. Think about that. God spoke, and out of nothing, he created everything. So he asked Job these questions. Did you determine how big the universe was going to be? How big the earth was going to be? How big the galaxies were? We're going to be, were you there when I was doing that? Were you there when I hung the stars in the sky one by one with all their power and energy? Were you there? How about this? Were you there when I spoke the oceans and seas into existence and told them you can go this far but no further? Were you there when I did that? Were you there when I walked into the depths of the ocean, the depths of the sea, thousands of feet below the water level, were you there when I did that? Were you there when I cut out clefts in rocks just so when the floods would come, they would be channeled to go where exactly I want them to go? Were you there when I did that, God says? How about this? Can you make rain come out of nowhere in the middle of a desert? Were you there when I did that? Are you there when I do that? Are you there when I tell lightning to strike at a very specific time in a very specific location? Were you there when I did that? How about this? Were you there when I established all the rules of heaven and earth? all the ordinances and laws that heaven and earth would run by. Were you there for that? How about this one? Do you know what 
every single animal is doing at every location on our globe right now. Do you know? Are you aware of every mountain lion, every goat, every bird, every shark? Do you know? Now, most of us don't even know what our kids are doing in the other room, let alone know what an animal is doing in Africa right now. God knows and sees all. And so here's what happens. God unloads all these incredible things that he's done. He's asking these rhetorical questions. You weren't there. God knows the answer. You weren't there, Job. But he pulls back the curtain, and Job sees God in all his glory and all his greatness. Which brings us to chapter 42. And we're going to look at some insights from chapter 42. After Job gets this incredible vision of God, Job responds. And and his response will teach us a lot. So insight number one, we must trust God because of who he is. We must trust God because of who he is. Not because of what we see with our eyes, not because of our life circumstances. We must trust God because of who he is. Think about this. Job has lost his ten children. Job has lost his friends. Job Even Job's marriage is is significantly strained. Job has lost health. And yet, he knows now, after encountering the Lord, what he needs most is a clear and true and accurate vision of the living God. We must trust God because of who he is. So look at Job 42. And this is Job's response. Then Job answered the Lord, and he said, the, verse 2 and 3 is going to be actually quoting the Lord, and then he'll get back to his own thoughts. I know that you can do all things, or verse 3 and 4, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So now he's quoting the Lord. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Job is humbled. I've uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful to which I did not know. Now he's quoting the Lord. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. That's what God said to Job. And Job said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Job got a clearer vision of God, and it humbled him. He repented in dust and ashes. He he submitted to the Lord, even though his life was excruciatingly painful. See, it's important to remember that Job actually was a God-fearing man. He actually did pass the tests. And yet, while he was struggling, he didn't, he didn't pass it perfectly. He, he at times struggled. 
And he, he, he wiggled, he, he squirmed. I'm sure he doubted at times. But here, now, he has this view and vision of God that is so much more clear than it was. See, Job was a God-fearing man, but he needed his vision of God to get clearer, to get grander. And oftentimes when we are in difficult situations, we think our greatest need is for our situation or our circumstance to change. It's not wrong to desire suffering to go away or our circumstance to change. But what we need the most is a greater vision of the living God. And as we get that, we will be able to rest in him and trust him. So the book of Isaiah says this, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We've got to get our minds around this. We only see a very small percentage of what is going on. The Lord sees it all at the same time. And he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. They're so far apart. The Lord is so much wiser and greater and he's all-knowing and all-seeing. So we, we have to grow in our relationship and vision of who he really is. And as we do that, we will grow in our trust of him. So use this time where the pace of life for, for many have, has really slowed down. Use this time to learn more about the living God. Use this time to study your Bible. Use this time to read good books about who God is. If you've never read the book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, this would be a great time to read it. This week, I, or last week, I let uh, a friend of mine, Maria, borrow this pretty big commentary on the book of Ezekiel. She asked if I had one and if, if she could borrow it. She wanted to study it. And I said, well, hey, this one, for whatever reason, it's in two volumes. So it's two giant books. Let's say two 500-page books. So I dropped one off at her house. And then about three days later, I get an email that says, hey, if you wouldn't mind, uh, can you bring volume two right by my house? Because I'm about to finish volume one. Now, she didn't read all the technical stuff, but she was reading, I imagine, for hours. And so I dropped a second volume off at her house this week. And the point was, what provoked me is she is using this time of being stuck in her home to study and to learn and to grow in her vision and view of the living God. May we all do the same. The next insight we're going to see is that Job was really never the same after this encounter with God through the whirlwind. Insight number two. We must seek to grow in our relationship with God and our experiential understanding of who He is. We must seek to grow in our relationship with God 
and our experiential understanding of who he is. See, in verse 5 it says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I've, I've heard of you. I had heard of you, but now my eyes see you. There's an experience that Job had. There is an encounter that was real and live. It, it reminds me of if you've ever gone to the eye doctors and you're looking through those, that machine and, and he's trying to adjust your prescription and, and he'll, he'll say, one, two, one, two, and you go back and forth, two, no one, one, no two, two, no one. Why are you doing that? You're doing that so your vision gets clear. Well, as we spend time with the Lord, and as we study who He is as revealed in His Word, our vision will get much, much clearer. As we ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate His Word, He will do so. And then we will be prepared to navigate this difficult world that we live in. See, we must seek to grow in our relationship with God and our experience of Him. So if you're new to Christianity, oftentimes people think, and I, I thought this before I became a Christian, that it's just a, another religion, one of many, that's just a, a set of rules that you have to follow. And that, that couldn't be further from the truth. There are certainly commands in the Bible that we have to obey, but it's after we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the difference between Christianity and other world religions is it is based on what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, died on the cross for our sins. And when we trust in Him and turn from our own ways and put our hope in Him alone, we are saved. We are born again. We are made alive and made new. And we enter a relationship with the living God as sons and daughters. And so when we have a relationship, we're not relating to God on the basis of rules and regulations, but on the basis of a relationship. And it's out of that relationship, after we have been rescued by Him, that we desire to obey Him. And God's Spirit now gives us power to obey Him. But it comes from knowing and experiencing the living God. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. See, this is all about an, a relationship, an experience. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, maybe some of you like watching food shows on the Food Network, and you can watch every food show that you want, and it, it might be fun for you. It might make you hungry. It might make you a better cook in the kitchen. But it is nothing like sitting down at a table and enjoying all the foods that you see on the Food Network. Won't it be sweet the day we all get to get back to having meals together and going to restaurants together and, and, and tasting and enjoying 
good food that the Lord has provided. Well, in the same way, that, that's what our relationship with the Lord should be like. It should be an experience of spending time with Him and growing in our relationship with Him. Now, when we're in the middle of difficulty, like we are all collectively to some degree, this is not easy. This can feel like the fight of your life. Remember, Job is grieving the loss of his family. He is in intense physical pain. He is grotesque to look at because of the skin disease that has taken over his body. His marriage at best is on the rocks because his wife is severely struggling with all that has occurred, which is understandable. His three closest friends and comrades are there with him, giving him unhelpful counsel. And yet, he is being revived by an encounter with the Lord. So this is a fight. It is a fight to pursue the Lord over other things. It will be in many ways the fight of your life. But it is a fight you don't fight on your own. It's a fight that the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us to fight. And it's not like we arrive and then there's no more struggle. Like many of you, all our kids' activities in the evenings, all our sports, all the things that we normally run around like crazy doing have all been stopped right now. So what that means is we have a lot more time in the evenings than we usually have. And don't really have any church meetings unless they are video church meetings. So everything has really slowed down. So what that means is Mary and I have our yard looking better than it ever has in the last seven years that we've lived there. We have a bank on the side of our driveway the steep bank that usually is just overrun with thorns and vines and weeds and, and every so often I care about it and I'll go back after it. But right now it is pretty much leveled because Mary and I have been working at it. Now, just because it's leveled right now doesn't mean if I do nothing with it for the next four months it will be fine. No, the weeds will grow back up. Well, that bank is just like our hearts. We have to maintain them. We have to guard them, as Proverbs says. And we do that by spending time with the Lord, by reading His Word, by worshiping Him, and by growing in our understanding of who He is. But we must run to Him for relief. See, it's taste and see that the Lord is good. In times of trial and suffering and temptation, our functional gods are always revealed. Our go-to places of refuge. When the heat comes on, what we functionally worship will come to the surface. So if our functional God is alcohol, when the pressure comes, we will drink more. If our Functional God is sexual immorality. When the pressure comes, we will indulge more. If our functional God 
is money and that gets taken away, we will squirm terribly. And see, the Lord wants you to turn from all those things and find joy in Him. All those things are counterfeits. They do not satisfy. They cause heartache and devastation. Now, money itself is not evil. It's the love of money that is the problem. But I think you know what I'm talking about. What are you going to right now? Maybe it's your ability to process the news. So your, your place of peace and refuge, rather than being in the Lord, is now you have joined the experts, Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. You're as knowledgeable as them about the coronavirus. And that's where you get your peace. Not wrong to study things, but that's not where you need to go for the peace in your soul. You need to find it in the living God. And here's what you need to know. If you have trusted in Jesus, nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ if you have called out to him. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God is for you, who can be against you? If you've trusted in the living God, it is well with your soul. He has you. He loves you. He delights over you. And he's watching over you. And he will make sure that you get to heaven. He is the good shepherd that will lose none of his sheep. Next insight. Insight number three. We can pray for and look forward to mercy and restoration. It's not wrong to pray for mercy. It's not wrong to ask the Lord to make this virus go away. It's not wrong. It is right to ask the Lord to have mercy on those who are sick and suffering right now. It's a right thing. Now we're going to see in a moment, it's not a guaranteed thing, but it is a right impulse for sure. Psalm 42, verse 10. One of the shocking things about the book of Job is Job has this encounter with the Lord. Job doesn't ask the Lord for anything, and the Lord restores Job in many ways. Look at verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. And when he had prayed for his friends, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. And they ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. So Job's life, in many ways, is being restored. Now he still had the loss of his ten children that I'm sure he carried to the moment that he died. But his skin disease eventually went away. His relationships eventually began to get restored. 
and God provided money for him once again. Look at verse 12. And the Lord blessed all the later days of Job more than the beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. So God gave him more children. He called the name of his first daughter, Gemini,ah The name of the second, Keziah. The name of the third, Karen, Hapuch. And in all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years. 140 more years. And he saw his sons and his sons' sons and his sons for four generations. So his great, great grandchildren. And Job died an old man full of days. And the Lord restored much. There were still scars of brokenness, of pain, of suffering. But there was blessing that he would never had expected. So it's not wrong to pray for mercy. It's not wrong to pray for relief and restoration. I would strongly encourage you to do so. If you were able to participate yesterday, the Gospel Coalition had an, a, really a day of pray, praying and fasting and you can watch it on their YouTube channel. At the end of the evening at 7 o'clock, they had a time of prayer where different uh, men and women throughout the country prayed for very specific things. And many of those specific prayers were prayers of relief and restoration and protection. It's not wrong to do. We have a God who is merciful. So we want to plead with Him and ask Him to give us mercy for this current pandemic, but for any and all suffering that we are going through. Now, does that mean he will always restore? Does that mean he will always restore health and wealth? No, not in this lifetime. It does not. But he could, and we should ask him, See, ultimately, one day when we're in heaven, there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more hardship, no more sorrow. It will all be washed away. But right now, we live in this tension of this in-between time where we're walking through a difficult world that has lots of brokenness and pain. And yet, we have a merciful God that we can cry out for mercy to. One of the things I love about my kids, I have three children, is they know me well, I'm their dad, and they'll ask me for stuff. They'll ask me for money, they'll ask me for new running shoes, they'll ask me for if we can go do fun things when we were allowed to go do fun things. But one of the things I probably appreciate the most is when, they, when I give them the answer no, the answer they, they don't want to hear, and they don't rail and scream and fight and curse my name. No, they, they understand, especially as they're getting older, that there's, there's probably a good reason. Now, they haven't done that perfectly, just like I didn't do that perfectly, but they generally trust me. Well, it's the same with the Lord. We want to ask for mercy. We want to ask for restoration. We want to ask for reconciliation where there's strained relationships. 
And then we humbly trust and submit to the God who is able to do all things, just like Job did. But while we're in this middle of this in-between, this, this wrestling, this tension of this already but not yet reality that we live in, insight number four is we must remain steadfast amidst difficulty. We must remain steadfast amidst difficulty. James, the New Testament author, actually talks about Job in James chapter 5. And he's calling us to be patient in suffering. And he's going to use Job as the example. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until he receives the early and late rains. So farmers are patient. They're patiently waiting. They know the seasons have to happen. And they wait. James says, you also be patient. So we're praying for an end of this pandemic, and we're going to be patient. We're going to trust. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's the most important thing we can do right now. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We don't know when Jesus will return. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast, who continued to trust and to rest and to submit to the living God. He says this, You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. We know from Job chapter 3 that he was in torment at parts of this trial. But he continued. He continued to move forward towards the Lord. He continued to persevere by the grace of God. And the grace of God is going to enable you to persevere too. Well, one of the things I like to do for fun that probably wouldn't be fun for most of you is I love watching documentaries of ultra marathoners or ultra hikers who hike hundreds of miles and experience incredible pain and suffering um, while they're doing it. It's just a fun thing I like to do. Don't judge me. Well, a couple years ago, I watched one by an Appalachian hiker, a man who was in his probably 70s or early 80s, and he had just completed hiking the Appalachian Trail in its fullness. And the interviewer was saying, well, give us some tips. What, what's the most important piece of advice that you can give us that would help us to endure such pain and suffering and hardship? And here's his advice. Love this. This is simple and clear and helpful for us as followers of Jesus. Never quit on a bad day. Never quit on a bad day. So that's his advice. Never quit on a bad day. Some of you are in the middle of a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, a bad decade. Keep going by the grace of God. Never quit on a bad day. 
Now, what the hiker didn't have that we have is the living God inside of us, enabling us and empowering us, which brings us to the final insight. Insight number five. We must entrust ourselves to him who promises to keep us. We must entrust ourselves to him who promises to keep us. 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. If you're anxious, you're worried, you're fearful, tell him. Go to him. And trust yourself to him. He cares for you. Let me close with this final verse. This is Jude 24 and 25. So we're never to quit on a bad day. We're to continue steadfast. But if you feel like you are out of gas, you're out of energy, you're out of fight, you're just weak, dependent, throw yourself onto the Lord. Listen to what Jude says. This God who created all the galaxies is for you. And he says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. He is able to keep you. Let's pray, and then I'm going to do some announcements after I pray. Lord, thank you that you are the keeper of your children. You watch over us, and you protect us. You are the good shepherd. You're the perfect shepherd. You're the shepherd that will never leave or forsake us. Lord, you pray and intercede on our behalf. And Lord, would you give every person watching strength and faith that they're going to make it, that they're going to endure. And for those who haven't yet trusted in you, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would convict them of sin and open their eyes to see the beauty of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins and rising from the grave. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, if you can hang on for a minute or two, I just have a few announcements for you as we continue church remotely. Well, as you know, Good Friday is coming up this Friday. And every year here at Saving Grace Church, we do a joint service with seven other churches where each pastor preaches on the seven last sayings of Jesus for seven minutes. And then we invite the community to that. Well, this year, obviously, we can't do that in person, but we have done it, done it already. We have a recorded service for you, and it's going to go live on Good Friday at 7 p.m. So you can get to that from our YouTube channel, the channel you're hopefully watching right now. So that will be at 7 p.m., and I'd like you to spread the word. Share that on social media, both that, the Good Friday service, and we are going to do an Easter service, and the message is entitled, Hope is alive. And that will air next Sunday, 10.30 a.m. Spread the word of both of those services. We want the good news of Jesus to go far and wide. 
and invite your friends and family to those services online. I think you're going to be surprised that they may say yes. Well, much like last week, this week we will continue to have our Zoom studies. So next Saturday, the Women's Spring Bible Study on the book of Ephesians will be continuing at 9 a.m. That will be on Zoom. If you don't have the password, you can go to our website and um, find under services and meetings. You'll, You'll be able to fill out a link and then they'll send you a password so you can participate. Um, We also will be having Sunday school on Easter Sunday, and we are starting Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I encourage you to do that. If you haven't done that yet, this would be a great time to jump in as they're just beginning a new book. And then we started a new thing that we'll be starting this week. We are having Zoom prayer meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. These will be led by Mark Altrogi. And they will also be on Sundays at 7 p.m. So we'll have three times a week where we as a church can gather and pray remotely for one another, for the things happening in our community and in our world. So check that out. Uh, For all those, you can get your password from the, the service and meetings page on our website. Also, this week we're continuing Saving Grace Connect Live, which is aired from my living room. On Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. This Tuesday, we are going to be examining 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 10 to prepare us for Easter. And um, on Thursday, I'm, I'm super excited, we are going to be um, covering the, the, the topic of lament. How do we appropriately grieve loss in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And this idea was given to us by one of our church members, Melissa Jones. So check that out. And that evening, Thursday, there will be a special guest who will be joining me um, to give her thoughts on this difficult subject. And then lastly, keep checking the, the Kids Cove Children's Ministry resource page on our website for resources for your kids. We continue to put those out every week. Uh, I think that's it. If um, If you have any questions, you can contact the church office at 724-717-3167, or you can shoot me a text or shoot me an email. Love to hear from you. I am an extrovert, and so I love people. So please, please, please say hi in some way this week. Miss you dearly. Can't wait till we're all back together. Have a great Sunday.